Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. Well, we're so glad you're here today. My name is Steve Thomas. I'm the lead pastor. And, uh, you know, it's an amazing privilege to come on Sundays and to see you all and to get to share this journey with you. Uh, this year, our theme is Make Him Known, and our desire is that people know Jesus. Our goal is not to debate or convince or to try to be offensive to people, but our goal is to simply make Jesus known and let Him change lives. Amen? Last week, we talked about the parts of that, and we talked about reality that if we're going to make Him known, we need to know Jesus, we need to know uh, him through his spirit, his word, and others, right? And we need to know other people. We need to make sure we're connecting with people, that we're caring for people, that we're communicating with people. And we talked about ways to make him known. And this card is, again, presented today. It was on your seat. If you didn't get a chance to fill one of these out, please consider that prayerfully. What would God have you do? Is there someone that's been on your heart that this year, that wants, you want that to be your focus. How can I make Jesus known to this one person? Do I want to be a part of the Timothy Initiative, which is our, our small group discipleship where we actually teach you the basics of Christianity in a way that you can share it with someone else? This past Wednesday night, we began and we had, I think, 27 or 28 people be a part of that. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, that's awesome. And I know there's some more that are coming this week that weren't able to come last week. Um, but that's an amazing thing. It's Wednesday nights at 6.30, and you say, well, am I too late? No, you're not too late. Come this week, and we'll get you caught up. Um, but uh, I want you to be, consider being a part of that. Uh, and as I said earlier, you can make Jesus known. You say, I'm on social media. You can share our posts. You can share things about our church. You can be a part of that, and also at our, at our events that we have, our picnics, our movie nights, those kinds of things. And it's amazing how many people stepped up to serve last week. That was super cool. As we met and went through those cards, 46 people filled out cards and said, you know, I want to do something. And uh, so that's an encouraging thing. We're a church that uses leaders like you, volunteer leaders, who can come along and be a part of the ministry here. And we could not function without our volunteers. This is what we are all about, and we're so glad that you're here. This morning... We're going to delve into this idea of making him known, and we're going to focus on the first aspect of this, I need to know Jesus. I need to know Jesus. And more specifically, I need to live with Jesus. When you travel, do you like to stay in a hotel, or would you rather stay in a friend's house? Finances aside. Let's say you had a free hotel room or you could stay at a friend's house. You know, for me, I got to tell you, I mean, unless it's really close family and there's like a whole lot of room and a lot of soundproofing, I'd kind of rather stay in the hotel, right? Because if you stay with someone, you're, you got the four S's you have to deal with, right? Do you know what the four S's of staying with someone is? You may want to write these down. It's going to be an important part of the message. Um, there's schedule, right? When do they get up? When do they go to bed? Because when they go to bed, I guess I got to go to bed. And when they get up, they get up in the middle, you know, you're just like, man, I, I really just leave me alone, right? There's a schedule. There's the sheets. Are they clean, right? 
is this going to be a clean room? Uh, my dad used to talk about when he'd go to a hotel room if, if it was a sock on or sock off carpet. Do you know what I mean by that? You've been in hotel rooms or maybe people's homes think, I'm not taking my socks off because I'm not walking barefoot on this carpet. So you got the schedule, you got the sheets, and you know you've got the shower, right? Is the shower going to be clean? Is it going to be available? All that kind of stuff, right? And the fourth one, I think, may be the most important. You got the smells. Every home, you know, I've loved those, there were those, those commercials recently about being nose blind, right? You're like, you don't smell the smells of your own home. You go into someone's home, they got this specific, you know, kind of, sometimes it's, you know, it smells like what they eat or smells like something. So you got the four S's. I would really rather stay in a hotel mostly unless I'm really close to the people. And that's kind of the issue, isn't it? How close do you have to be to someone to stay in their home? Or, on the other hand, how close does someone need to be to you to call you up and go, hey, we're coming this weekend for a month <laughs> in February, right? Because that's when you expect all your out-of-town visitors. And that's a great thing, right? Our, our son was here this week. It was amazing. That's great. But you got to be pretty close, don't you? Because otherwise you're thinking, I didn't really mean come sometime. I meant... I want you to feel like I want you to come, but I really don't think it's ever going to happen kind of an invitation, right? Those are the Florida invitations, right? You know, it's February, spring training's coming, you know, come, but really I'm probably not going to be available for you to come, you know what I mean? Please don't actually come, but I, but you do have people, you have family, you have friends, you're like, oh, when they come, it's amazing, don't you? It's just amazing. We have family like that, we have friends like that. Uh, Bob and Linda are good friends of ours, and when they come in from Arizona, it's like, I wish they would never leave. They're just uplifting. They're joyful. They, they, they make you feel like a million dollars. They make you feel like Jesus can do anything because he can, right? Who you live with, who you live with has a huge impact on who you are, right? Who you live with has a huge impact on how you're going to live, how you're going to exist. Are you going to be productive? This morning, I want you to leave here in about 30 minutes and say, you know what? I want to live with Jesus. I want to live with Jesus. Some of you may say, no, I already do. Great. Pray for those who don't. Because it happens that even though you may be a follower of Jesus, this intimacy with him can kind of ebb and flow, right? Some days you feel really close to him, and some days you're like, man, I don't know where he went. I hadn't heard from him. So we're going to look at today living with Jesus from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. If you're new to the Bible, John is the fourth gospel account, the fourth eyewitness account of Jesus Christ that says this is what happened, and uh, this is uh, written by John the Apostle. And uh, this section of Scripture comes at a time in the life of Jesus that he's coming to the end. It's probably the last few days. And he's trying to prepare his followers for what's about to happen, which is going to blow their minds. Jesus is about to allow himself, and remember, Jesus is the most powerful human on earth, right? The most powerful human ever. The only one who could raise people from the dead, who could feed people, who could calm the storm. 
And his followers are sure that he's going to take over the world. And Jesus is trying to prepare them to say, I want you to love me and follow me, even though you're not going to understand what's about to happen. He's trying to get them ready to say, even though I'm going away, I am sending another comforter. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And I want you guys to be ready for this. And he's trying to explain to them what it's going to be like in the future. And that's the setting for John chapter 15 as he gives this uh, extended metaphor, really, of the vine and the branches. So look with me if you will, and if you have your Bible, please open. I encourage you always to bring a Bible or bring an electronic device. I have both here. This is a real Bible. This is an electronic Bible. Um, So feel free to open that as long as you're not texting someone that's not here. That's okay. Please, seriously, open your, open your Bible, because I think it's great to have that practice of reading God's Word. It is on the screen, but I encourage you to read along with me. John chapter 15, beginning of verse 1, Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So get the picture here. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. Now, Israel, a lot of times in the Old Testament, is referred to as the vine. There's, a, there's some metaphors there. Uh, but Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. Vine. I am what Israel was pointing towards. I'm going to produce much fruit. I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, if you're not familiar with how vines grow, it's particularly grape vines, someone has to care for the vine, has to make sure that the vine gets up off the ground, has to make sure that it is watered, that it is fertilized, and that it is pruned and trimmed. That's what happens in verse 2. He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. See, here's the picture. It is a natural and normal thing for you to be connected to the vine. If you're a follower of Jesus, that should be your status. I'm living connected to Jesus. We try to emphasize that so much here at First Baptist Delray. When you come to Christ, when you receive the gift of salvation through repentance and faith, that's the beginning of being connected to the vine. Right? That's not the end. That's not the end all. Really what happens, you're just now a branch of the vine. That should be a normal part of who you are. But notice this, that even though that's natural, it can be painful. It can be painful. I know there's a lot of faces out there who are in pain right now. There's been loss. There's been challenge. There's been difficulty. And you wonder sometimes, God, why is this hard? I'm a part of the vine. This should be easy. I should be just, just coasting along, singing Amazing Grace, and everything should be wonderful, and people should be nice, and they should let me in in traffic, and, you know, all that, and I shouldn't have to pay my taxes and all kinds of stuff, right? Understand that, that being connected to the vine, watch, there's two things that the vine dresser does here, and we're going to get explain a little bit further as we go, but get what the Father does. 
He cuts off the branches that aren't productive. Yikes. And he prunes, or the, it's interesting, in Greek it's the same word for cleanse. He prunes those who are productive. So there's two things happening. If you are a part of the, a branch of the vine, you could be disconnected by the Father, or you could be pruned and some things could be cut away so you can be more productive. So in either case, what you have to understand is to be adjusted, if you will, right? If there's pain involved in both cases. The question is, what is God doing in your pain? What is God doing in your pain? Are there some things he needed to remove that were good things? They were good things. God, he's, he's, when you prune a branch, you're taking away some things that were good so that you can be even better. I know that's hard to hear for some of you right now. But the vine dresser cares for the vine so it can, he can optimize its production. We're going to talk about what that looks like as we go. So understand that it is a normal thing, and it's a natural thing. This is what should be happy, should be connected to the vine and being dressed, if you will, or being trimmed or pruned by the Father. So don't feel like you're all on your own. It's a normal thing. Verses 4 and 5, this is where he really tells us what to do. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear... Fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the thing. Abiding in Jesus, or living, that word abiding really means to remain, to stay, to live, to dwell just like a branch attached to the vine would do. But here's the thing, it's intentional because what he's saying is you have to do something to stay abiding in me, right? There's some things that are going to happen. He's telling you, abide, remain, stay, stay attached to me. Because if you don't, you're not going to be productive. You can't accomplish anything without me. And understand, here's what's happened. Remember, Jesus is about ready to die. He's about ready to be buried, resurrected, and ultimately ascend. And he's telling them, you still need me. So even though I'm gone, my spirit is coming, and you're going to need me through my spirit to accomplish anything. Remain. Abide. The next question is always this. How? What does abiding look like? Well, it means standing in a circle with a bunch of people holding hands and singing kumbaya. No, no, it really doesn't. Glad some of you got that. Um, It's nice. That's a good thing. That's a positive thing. We can do that later if you'd like to. That'd be good. Um, No, abiding is something we do intentionally. We have to step back into the the previous chapter to kind of get what he means by by abiding. What does that, how do I do that? How do I stay living with Jesus, right? How do I move in with him? And John 14, 21 through 23, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will love him and manifest or make myself known to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it? 
that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world. Jesus, how are you going to show yourself to us and not to the world? Because we'd really like you to show yourself to the world. That's what we'd like because we're tired of being the weird ones. Amen? Jesus, show yourself, show yourself to the world like you show yourself to me. And he says this. He kind of explains again in verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and move in with him. Come to him and move in with him. What if you get that call this afternoon? Hey, Steve, this is Jesus. We're coming down from New York, Dad and I, and we're going to spend the rest of your life with you. How does that make you feel right there? Some stuff needs to be cleaned up, maybe. Maybe you need to clean up your office or your home or maybe to clean up your life. Well, Jesus saying, I want to come. I want to live with you. I want to live in your house with you. How does that happen? Here's how it happens. He says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and we'll come live with you. That's essentially what he's saying. So here's the steps. Do I love Jesus? Do I love Jesus? You can say, well, I do. I, I accepted him. I, I was baptized. I repented. And, and now I'm, I'm good. I, I do love Jesus. But do you love what he's doing? Do you love him in the midst of the challenge? In the midst of the difficulty? In the midst of the pain? In the midst of the uncertainty? Do you love Jesus. You say, yeah, I think I do. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. You say, well, I don't know. What, does that mean I got to keep the 10 commandments? How many commandments are there? What does that look like? I'm sure I've messed up a few of them. Some people have told me about them. And if you're not sure what yours are, come after the service and we'll point them out to you. That would be good. No, but seriously, here's what it means. How did Jesus say to live? That's really Jesus' commandments because really the whole law, all the commandments, everything in the Bible needs to be seen through the lens of Jesus Christ, right? I want to I see who Jesus is. I, I want to see how he sees the law, and I want to live the way Jesus lived. He's the example. So when you think of Jesus, do I love him and am I living like him? Here's some Here's some good ways to consider that. How did Jesus deal with people who were far from him? We're going to talk about this a little more next week. we talk about the woman at the well. But think about this. How did Jesus love people? How did Jesus deal with people who were sinners? How did Jesus deal with life? Was Jesus a complainer? Was Jesus angry? Was Jesus hard to deal with? Did Jesus live a loving and gracious life? Very simply, the commands of Jesus are to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Do you live like Jesus? If I'm going to abide, if I'm going to live with Jesus, I need to make sure I love him. Here's what happens, though. Sometimes we stop, get distracted, get disrupted, and we don't really love Jesus like we once did. 
don't really love Jesus like we want to. And when that happens, our living arrangement gets disrupted. It's like saying, you know what, I'm married and I live in this house, but actually, I've been living over here. I think she's great, but I got this other house over here, and honestly, I just like this other house better. Suddenly, you start to become separated, right? You're still married. You're just living over here. It's easy to become disrupted in your love for Jesus. And here's what that looks like in verse 6. It says this, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Yikes. Sounds scary, doesn't it? Anytime we think of fire and burning in Scripture, we're thinking of the fires of hell. And, oh my goodness, are you telling me that I'm at risk of hell? I thought I was saved. I thought Jesus Jesus held me in the palm of his hand. It's not really probably referring to hell. Although that's something to be concerned about if you're not a follower of Jesus. Anyone who doesn't abide in me is thrown away like a branch. Here's what he's saying. Listen, if you're not going to be productive, here's what's going to happen. The vine dresser is going to remove you, and he's going to use you for something you weren't intended for, which is to provide fuel for the fire to cook supper. That's really the picture of what would have happened in a vineyard. You trim the branches, you'd use those branches to cook with or to heat with. They're not really being used for what they could have been used for, which is to be productive for the kingdom. When we get out of love with Jesus, when our love fades and we don't really love him, really not living like him, even if you've received Jesus, you are no longer useful for him. Let me ask you tenderly, Has Jesus used you lately to produce anything for his kingdom? Has anyone benefited from you? Been able to touch anyone, encourage anyone, help connect someone to Jesus, help disciple someone, serve in any way? See, living with Jesus can be disrupted. But... When you do live with Jesus, it's incredibly productive. Look at verse 7 and 8. Jesus says this, If you live with me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Don't you love this? So I can ask for anything? This is incredible. Man, there's some people I would get. No, I didn't say that, right? Man, there's some things I would want for myself. No, here's the point. If you live with Jesus, your desires become his desires. Amen? To where I want what he wants. Honestly, if you've been married for any length of time at all, you should know what your spouse wants, right? You should know what would please them. And if you don't, I think you need to go home and figure out what that might be, right? He said, if I live with Jesus, I know what he wants. And so when I pray, I ask for what he always already wants to give. I ask for what he already wants to do. And everything that Jesus wants to do is what he wants his kingdom to increase. He wants people to become a part of it. He wants lives to be changed. He wants people to be saved. He wants to glorify the Father. And that's what happens when you actually do live with Jesus. You see, the fruit of living with Jesus is answered prayer. It's answered prayer because you are praying for what God already wants to do and the people that he already wants to save and the people he already wants already wants you to encourage and just just help along the way 
Living with Jesus is productive. And finally, living with Jesus is joyful. It's joyful. Are you happy? If you people to come up and say, you know what? What is Steve like? Is he happy? No, he's kind of a crowd. Are you, there should be a sense of joy in your life. Look at verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. These things have I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Living with Jesus is a joyful thing. It should be amazing. Like the most wonderful person you could be around, this is what our lives should be like. He wants his joy to permeate us, even, yes, in the midst of difficulty and pain. Jesus speaks of joy right before going to the cross. He is just about to be embarrassed, flogged, crucified. I want you to have my joy, regardless of what else is happening. Live with Jesus by loving Jesus. Live with Jesus by loving Jesus. And when you're loving Jesus, the results are that you love other people like Jesus. Who do you find it hard to love? Who is it? Is it a group of people? Is it particular individuals? Who do you find it hard to love? You go, man, if I got to talk to that person one more time, I'm just, that's in your thinking. You need to need to repent of that. Jesus, I want to love like you did. I want to love like, I want to love people that are hard to love, who don't love me. Loving Jesus results in living and loving others just like he did to the point that you're willing to suffer for them as he did. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, what? Take up your cross and follow me. And when you do that, you will be able to make him known. It'll be overwhelming. You'll, you'll have to because you'll have to say, I, you, you don't know who I'm living with right here. This is Jesus. He's living in my house. There's one more thing, though. Some of you may be saying, you know what, Steve? I'm afraid that I'm a branch that's gotten disconnected. I'm afraid that the Father has given up on me. And he sawed me off of the vine, and he's laid me in the pile, and I'm about to get used for firewood. That's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid my opportunity has passed. Oh, but aren't you glad that Jesus is the great physician? I think a great physician could probably reattach a branch to a vine. I want to encourage you today. Look at Revelation 3, and I just love this picture. It's one of my favorite, favorite pictures of where Jesus is for a lot of his people sometimes. I want to encourage you with this. This is Revelation 9, 19 through 20, and the picture is of Laodicea. And if you know much about Revelation, Laodicea, you know that these are the people who weren't hot and they weren't cold. And they were disgusting, really, because there were two sources of water that came to their town. One was chilled and refreshing. The other was warm and full of minerals. And they would put them together to where it was disgusting and yucky. And that's just, he said, that's how you are. You're not hot or cold. You're not refreshing or enriching. 
That's what happens when we get disconnected from the vine. And Jesus says this. And this is the same gospel writer as John quoting Jesus who says this. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline to be zealous and repent. If you feel like you're disconnected, Jesus is saying, repent. Say, hey, I would like to be fruitful. I would like to see stuff happen through me. I I would like to be able to bless other people. I don't want to just be selfish and withered anymore. And verse 20 is the one you hear all the time. What does Jesus do? Listen, as long as you're on this earth, he's knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is not Jesus talking to lost people. This is Jesus talking to his church. He's saying, I am at the door knocking. How did Jesus get on the outside? Somehow we, we quit living with Jesus, and maybe we move down the street, and he comes down the street and goes, hey, you're supposed to be living over here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is he knocking on your door right now? Because he called you and said he was coming. Only when he came, you didn't answer the door. You didn't give him the gate code. You didn't unlock the door. And he's still out there knocking. There's still time. There's still time. There's still time. Will you let him in to live with you? Or is there something in the way? Is there something in the way? Some disappointment? Something about Jesus you're not satisfied with? He's knocking. Saying, would you receive me even though I didn't conquer that enemy of yours? Even though I didn't conquer the Romans? Even though I didn't do what you wanted me to do? I'm doing something greater. I want to do something greater through you. He's knocking. He's knocking. He's knocking. This morning, I encourage you, there's a card in your seat, I'd love for you to fill it out and say, you know, Steve, I, I do want to be used by him. I, I want Jesus to come live with me so I can know how to love others, so I can make him known. I don't really know how I'm going to reach anybody. Honestly, I have no idea. We're talking about that. I don't know how I'm going to uh, be able to, I don't know who I'm going to interact with. I don't know how. Listen, all he's doing is say, I want you to let me in. I want you to live with me. That's his invitation. You know, it's amazing to me that people will say, I want to go to heaven, but they don't want to live with Jesus now. You know what I mean? Well, I'm excited about heaven, Pastor Steve. I'll sing, I'll fly away again because that's exciting to me and I'm looking forward to heaven and, and the pearly gates and all that stuff. But wait a minute, don't you want Jesus to live with you now? Do you really just want to start getting to know him in heaven? Is that, is that, because I don't know if you're on the right road here if you don't want him to live with you right now. I urge you, live with Jesus. Live with Jesus. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.